0: Yes, it's time to stop your falling You've been down long enough Can't you hear the spirits calling? Yes, it's the spirits Can't you hear it? Calling your name, calling your name Talk about spirit
1: Welcome to this week's episode of Tapping into Spirit where we discuss and explore issues related to spirituality in a manner that questions everything. We start from a premise that everything comes from somewhere and work to understand the unexplainable. We always endeavor to have a great time discussing a serious topic with the hopes of offering inspiring thoughts and ideas that allow for growth, evolution, and transformation. I'm your co-host, Dr. Anthony Smith, and as always, I'm joined by my wonderful co-hosts, Zawadi Powell and Glenda Jones. Today we're going to touch on the topic of death and dying, and how the spirit is infused into the concept of death death and dying. We want to look at how spirit manifests itself and what it means for spirit to pass on after the physical body is no longer here. So we will each talk a little bit about how we understand this process and engage a lively discussion that should hopefully offer you some things to consider and ponder yourself.
2: Well, this is Glenda Jones. First off, I want us to consider... How we call death, death, and is it really death? We are energy beings, and we learned in science that you can't kill energy. It can only change forms. And so considering that we're an energy being, are we really dying or are we transitioning? Mm -hmm. So I like to think of it as a transition um, more so than an actual death.
1: So not an ending point, but... Moving on into something else, All
2: right? Maybe an end of one thing and the beginning of another, or a continuation of something that is ongoing.
1: Mm-hmm. And what would you continue to what would you posit that we will be continuing to?
3: Butterflies,
2: <laughs> I like that. So, I, yeah, butterflies,
1: All right, TLC.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think that. Um, in, in us being energetic beings and being spirit and um, being a part of a life force that once this physical form, you know, um, d- sort of expires or becomes so old that it can't function properly any longer, that part of us, that spirit uh, continues to live on in a different form. And from what I've experienced, sometimes it just exists as that, as energy Um, and there seems to be a lot of discussion these days about whether there is a a spirit consciousness. I think even scientists are trying to quantify, you know, whether that spirit consciousness exists as the same person that it was when it was within the body or whether it exists as a new, um, entity without a conscious, uh, thought or without that identity that it was carrying, um, and from my understanding, or the way that I see it, I, I think that um, I was taught. I think it's a West African or uh, maybe South African understanding that the the spirit has three different parts. There's the part that is our um, our conscious self, and then there's a part that goes to the ancestors, and then there's a part that goes to God that that ceases to exist um, in that form any longer. And so um, I have experienced connection with dead people, (laughs) people who have lost their physical form and have come back to speak or have uh, come to visit or have showed up in dreams or have moved objects um, that were related to their life when they were alive. Uh, And so I believe very strongly that after death um, people continue to exist definitely in the form of energy. Um, but maybe we can be butterflies too. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> well, there Sorry. is representation. Butterflies <laughs> are, are known to represent <laughs> spirit. Uh, I'll tell a very quick story. Um, my stepfather was someone that I was a deaf doula for, and I can talk a little bit about that later. Yes. And on the day of his services the hearse or the not the hearse the family limousine brought us back to the house and I stepped out of the limo and a butterfly landed on me now butterflies have landed on me a few times and I know that a lot of people don't may not know you know they may be a, a kind of an unusual concept that the butterfly is carrying the energy of this person who transitioned but I thought it was really unique that this butterfly landed on me. And so mm. it seems like I have a relationship mm. with butterflies. Mm. They land on me periodically. Mm. So, mm-hmm. they, I believe so were you
1: seeing that as a message from him that everything was okay? Because sometimes people have experiences where after a loved one has passed on, something happens that Is like a special message that only they would understand or perceive or appreciate. So would you categorize it as something like that?
2: I absolutely know that it was a message for me. Um, And for me, there are messages in so many realms. There's messages in uh, animal life, insect life, plant life. Um, There's just so many messages, numbers and all types of things. So that butterfly landing on me was definitely a message for me. Um, And it gave me comfort. It wasn't the only thing that gave me comfort. But I did know. Um, Did you feel like it was
3: a message from him? Or because sometimes butterflies could console us. You know, I know that animals sometimes sense... Um, our energy Mm -hmm. and then respond, you know, with compassion. Um, And so something that we talk about a lot is like in trying to connect with spirit and understand spirit and um, like sort of make sense out of the mysterious things that are happening. We always have to trust our intuition and sort of know that, oh, this is what this meant, you know, And, and we're taught that the first thought that you have is the answer you know, and so it's like if a butterfly lands on you, then you will intuitively know in that second whether it was a communication from the person who passed away or whether it was the butterfly
2: itself. no doubt. <laughs> You're right. And that's exactly how I knew. It wasn't just that the butterfly landed on me. Mm-hmm. It was also what I felt
0: mm-hmm. in that
2: moment. Mm-hmm. Um, not just logically what I felt, you know, it but it was... Deep within me, mm-hmm. what I felt, mm-hmm. and I and the, the level of comfort like I'm getting out of a hearse and I fell out <laughs> at the grave, right? Side. You couldn't take it on the ground. I fell out, out because yeah. I had held in so long, and then less than 30 minutes later, I'm feeling this comfort mm-hmm. this butterfly, not what we would think would happen. But it happened, Mm -hmm. and I knew that that was what he he would be the person in his life to comfort me.
3: He would have sent you a butterfly. Oh, absolutely! (laughs) And he was
2: a landscaper, so he fed the butterflies. Oh, so yeah, Mm -hmm. that for me was a wonderful experience.
1: Wow. Mm -hmm. So, what do you all think about what spirit does when it transitions into wherever it goes after it leaves this physical body?
3: Uh, It's another thing that, you know, everyone is always trying to figure out because a lot of people report different things when they, you know, die for a moment and come back. And all of the different philosophies have different, um, you know, theories about what happens. Um, And I, I, I tend to, I saw this movie one time that was like. Um, I can't remember which movie it was, but it was kind of saying like whatever you believe um, happens to you manifests when you leave this uh, reality. And so I kind of like that theory because I feel like, you know, if you believe deeply in something, then when you, once you once you leave the physical realm, the energetic realm is kind of like even more um, of a fluid space for you to control with your own energy.
2: Well, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I I feel, well, one of the things that I feel is that, um, in the religion in which I inherited, which was Christianity, this grain of truth that we were created in the image of the creator. Then are we creators?
3: Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely.
2: So what you're saying is we're creating Mm -hmm. and we Mm -hmm. definitely are that, Mm -hmm. um, I also feel that there are dual realities, I mean, maybe not just dual but multiple. This is a reality mm-hmm. but I don't believe that this is the only reality that is existing and they're all existing simultaneously. So there is a spirit realm, now, I can't say that it's in heaven or it's behind the door in the dark or wherever it is, I just know <laughs> that there is mm-hmm. another reality and that If we are able to um, go to a level where we can connect with what we call spirit and that other realm, we will have encounters with it. Mm -hmm. Part of it is what we want to do, or part of it may be because it is something that we're in tune to even without making an effort. So we know that it exists, um, and it has shown itself. There's in so many different lives and in so many different ways.
1: Traveling around and and being exposed to many different cultures and looking at all the different conceptions of spirituality and spirit and God and the Creator, uh, every group of people creates some type of paradigm whereby they can make sense of this thing, Mm -hmm. right? So what you were saying, Sawadi, about um, what you believe is probably what's going to happen afterwards. I think that has a lot of validity to it. Yes. Um, I think we get in trouble when we, like, when we try to make it just one way. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in large part, because the creator is so great and so grand, yes. that to limit, to put limits on it, that it has to be one way, um, seems like you're trying to put it in a box. To me, it's so grand and 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 wide and open and people are so passionate about what they believe everywhere you go around the world um and who haven't been exposed to the different traditions of other people they Mm -hmm. just know what they know Mm -hmm. and so it becomes natural and a natural expression of how they do things so i think the more we can be open to considering other ways of looking at things and being open to Receiving what we're getting in, in, intuitively about where we go, you can read all types of uh, books and, and experiences of people who have died and come back, and they talk about what their experience has been, and it's different things. Some there are some similarities, mm-hmm. but there are also a lot of differences. And right. so, being able to just appreciate what that is as we incorporate it into our lives is, I think, it's important. it's
3: true because if our if our physical Uh, experience and our physical reality our walk on this path in this life is individual then why wouldn't our death experience also be individual you know like i i just feel like people are always trying to define things or categorize things as we talked about before and you can't you know Who, who am i to tell you that when you die you're not going to see Absolutely. Jesus. You know, like, Absolutely. I can't say that. It's not, it's none of my business who you see <laughs> when you die. Really? You know, you can't tell me that when I die, I'm not going with my spirit guide and my grandmother. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like, who are you? No, no one can say, right. you know, what some people, when they die, maybe they're not going to exist anymore because they don't want to. Mm-hmm. You know, who are we to tell them that they have to have an afterlife? Absolutely. Maybe they don't. <laughs> and so, I don't know. That That's just how I feel. Like, everyone's, um, sort of relationship with death and spirit and the energy of life is individual and um, maybe interrelated and intertwined in different ways. But I don't think there are rules in the way that we want there to be.
2: I feel that same way, I do. I, um, seems like I always have a story. But um, in my journey in this life, there was a time where um, attempting to have a child I was put on some medication that affected my heart Um, I was in the hospital and it was during labor and delivery. I was on the medication for several days and they were like, Glenda, we got to take you off this medication and we're going to let you go into labor. And so I did, but I was told during that time that my heart stopped. Hmm. But what I remember was feeling like I was going into a tunnel of light. Wow. And it was—I was moving really, very fast into a tunnel of light. Hmm. But at some point, I began to go back.
0: Hmm. <laughs>
2: Out of the tunnel, i like like, "Said no, nope, not yet." And so when I woke up, <laughs> I was in a bed and I couldn't move. And The Price Is Right was on.
0: <laughs> no way! It
2: was just really unusual so you're not hearing so I've heard other people talk about these experiences with um near death situations Mm. or and I've heard about the light
3: yeah so
2: now whether that was it or not but it wasn't just a a white light they were the lights were white but they were also more like light rainbow Mm. and there was like a really fast movement. So it was kind of an unusual experience, and then to find out what happened. So um, there may be, as uh, Anthony said, some things that may be in common for some people, but mm-hmm. I don't feel that there is just one way mm-hmm. that it has to be. And mm-hmm. that, again, if we're creators, we're creating our existence, and our existence isn't just a physical existence. Mm-hmm.
1: I think people put a lot of time and energy into thinking about it, even if they don't want to talk about it. I remember traveling to Egypt and going in some of the uh, ancient temples and seeing all of the detail and preparation that went into preparing someone that had passed on. They took it very seriously and they put things in the tombs with them to, to go along with them to the afterlife. And they spent a lot of time studying and paying attention to what happens that's the earliest uh, civilization that we know and since then other cultures have also spent a lot of time thinking about how they're going to prepare um the person when they are in the process of transitioning so it is certainly something that is very serious i think that there's a lot of fear that is related to Hmm. when death comes a knocking, so to speak. Why do you think people have such a fear about something that everyone is going to experience?
2: Because they don't know what happens. We're like, we are fearing the unknown. Um, And sometimes we are fearful of that thing we've been told, you know, you don't live right and you're going to burn in hell. Hmm. You know, there's all types of different things that can cause us to be fearful of the transition Mm -hmm. and I was afraid at one point Mm -hmm. I'm nowhere near that at this point
3: I've never been afraid I've always had some kind of weird obsession with it it's it's so strange I don't know that I was like I wasn't necessarily suicidal but (laughs) I always used to wonder like if I just jump out the car right now and like crumble what will that feel like and where will I go you know, like, I just used to have, like, a like if I just jump in the lake right now and nobody saves me, like, what what will happen then? And I don't know why I was such a strange child like that. But um, I, and even to this day, I don't, like, I, I you know, I, I just, I don't feel fearful of it. Um, and sometimes I wonder about it, which I don't know. You're a psychologist, so you can't tell me.
1: <laughs> well, well, you know, interesting. This is a problem. I think it's, like, one of those things where... You know, people have a question, but they don't ask it because they think it's it's a stupid question. But really, <laughs> everybody in the room has the same question um, because this is something that I spend a lot of time thinking about, um, death and dying and what happens afterwards. And, um, you know, as I look at different cultures who aren't afraid of it, and this culture has really put a premium. You know, when I was working in the um, – with teaching family uh, – family medicine residents and we talked about death and dying and in the concept of having a, a do not resuscitate
0: right? hmm.
1: and and how families would be just oh i want my my grandmother I, my mother i want them to stay alive as long as possible but their quality of life was horrible and what has to happen in order to resuscitate somebody you have to crack their ribs and do all this It makes their life even more horrible. But our culture won't let go. Yeah. And typically it's for us, not for them. Right. Because they are probably ready to make their transition. But we hold them on. We keep them, you know, wedded because we haven't done what we wanted to do in terms of living our lives fully to say it's their time now. Let's let them go. But... It's something that I think about frequently and I've had similar questions. I was remember being in Greece, out on this mountain, by myself with nobody else, and thinking, Man, if I fell off this mountain, (laughs) nobody would know where I was. And what would happen to me. Like I literally am out by myself.
2: You might end up being food. (laughs) And
1: nobody would ever know. (laughs) My, well, my, my <laughs> the cycle of life <laughs> but these are things that i think about um think moose food frequently. um what will happen when i am no longer here and mm. will my children be sad what will be said about me mm. um what will my legacy be and so you know i work very hard and i talk to people all the time about living your life fully so that when that time comes, as it will for everybody, that you can say, okay, I, I,
3: I had a good run.
1: I did everything I wanted to do. I lived life the way I wanted to live it. Mm-hmm. And I think that if people really did, I have a buddy who, who says, live your 86,400 seconds in every day. Don't waste any of them. Hmm. And I really try to live my life following that premise. I'm very judicious about how I spend my time. 52 weekends in a year. I don't want to waste one of my weekends doing something I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. I want to live my life fully so that when that time comes, okay, now's my time.
3: They have software now where you can like plan your own funeral mm-hmm. and you can like set it up like over time. So that when you die it's all ready. Like the slideshow and the schedule and and that that's kinda interesting, right? Because it kinda makes you it's think. Morbid. Yeah. I guess so. I guess, you know, if you depending upon your perspective uh, on I it, don't though,
1: think that it is, but I think some people would say that. Yeah. Oh, I don't wanna talk that that's what I'm saying in terms of the fear. I don't wanna talk about death. Oh no, if I talk about it it's gonna happen. People don't won't even plan financially for their families to to be in an okay position
0: mm-hmm. when
1: when somebody... And that's something that we really need to we, Maybe we should spend a whole podcast talking about that. Mm-hmm. But the fear of death is certainly something that um, paralyzes us as a community.
2: I feel that for me, the thing that concerns me the most is not the actual time that my spirit leaves this body. It's what leads up to it. Yes. The being pain, sick. Yes. The sickness. Oh. Uh, those types of things. So it's not. Dependent. That you're being dependent right. and vulnerable and helpless. So is it morbid to want to take control of when you transition? Is it really morbid?
3: To take control of, of it?
2: when you transition? Like you said, you thought about suicide. That's taking control of when you transition.
3: <laughs> not necessarily suicide, but. You know, just an imaginary jump into the lake.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just saying. Um.
1: So, so what was that? What was that doctor with the assisted suicide? Was it Kravokin?
2: Yes. Um, I so think about that. A, yeah, my this. quality of life, and do I really want to exist past a point that I feel my life has quality? Uh huh. It's a concept to think about Like it's something really to think about
3: Right because like when I think about Jumping in the lake I kind of feel Like what's on the other side of that You know like it's, it's not like I hate my Life and I want to end it and I want to You know do something awful to myself It's more of like okay I know what this side is And what's over there you know like Like what exists and then how can We say when someone is sick in pain And hurting that It's not better for them when they go to the other side or that there is no other side or that, you know, they should remain here. Because I think that that whole concept of like just being in in continuous pain and really having no purpose, you know, being maybe bedridden or, you know, disabled and and hurting, you know, is you're right. Like, that's a scary
2: thing. It is scary. And that kind of brings me to the point of being assigned Because I didn't choose to be what I call a death doula. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been chosen several times to help someone transition from this life out. And so...
1: So, just to clarify, you're saying death doula as opposed to a birth doula. Right, because
2: doula is someone who assists you in a birth, a rebirth, or a death, or whatever it is. They're assisting you um, with the process... And making sure that your desires like we've fulfilled what it is that you want to do um, we have doulas that help us to bring a child into the world and you may I don't want to have um, the, uh, the pain medication, medication uh, and epidural. epidural I don't want an epidural I want to they just give they give you um, all of the things that it is that they want and it's someone that will make sure That your desires are are met and that what you want is followed. Well, I believe that there's dignity in that in death as well. Hmm. Um, Maybe someone who hasn't finished their will. Or maybe it's someone who chooses to be cremated instead of buried. Or someone who has a song that they want to be played during the time that they're transitioning. Or someone who wants the environment whether certain people may to be present or not to be present. Ooh, because everyone may not be
3: welcome. <laughs> you can't come to my funeral, Anthony.
2: <laughs> and maybe, maybe at the funeral, but maybe not in the par- part where it's being the act- active transition..
3: Right.
2: I've right. seen what active transition is. Like mm. you almost know when you watch someone, beginning t- their breathing will change. The way they sound will change. Like it is a time where you know that death or the transition is happening soon. Mm -hmm. And so helping someone, I feel is an honor that someone chose me to help them transition out of this world. Hmm.
1: So several people have chosen you to...
2: It has happened several times. Mm-hmm. I've been chosen by the people who are transitioning, and I've also been chosen by families
1: mm-hmm.
2: who wanted me there.
1: So, wow. the what's process. that like for you to to witness that? To what what does it feel like, and, and what do you, does it elicit some thoughts about what the person is going through and how it impacts you?
2: It does. It it definitely um, made me feel. It made me feel closer to the person. Mm. Um, it really gave me a connection. And an interesting thing is two of those people visit me in spirit. In dreams? In dreams. Wow. Both have visited me in dreams. What did they say? Um, I, one of them, you know, just, I think I may have talked about that in our last
3: Um, Oh, okay. So
2: that was one of the people. The other was my stepfather, Hmm. who the butterfly landed on me. And I was the last person Mm -hmm. to speak with him. And he was afraid to leave Hmm. because he helped take care of my mother, who needs to be cared for. And he was like, I'm left-handed. So he was my right-hand man. Man. So (laughs) he was always there for me, and he did so much to help me. So he didn't want to leave, and that was a conversation we had when he could still talk with me. And I let him know, like, it's okay, we are going to be okay. And so the the night that he transitioned and happened to be uh, the 5th of July because it was after midnight. And the 4th of July was the anniversary for my mom and my stepdad and it was 31 years. (laughs) And we had a gathering and there were lots of people in the house, but he had started the very shallow breathing. The breaths were very far apart. Like he may take a breath and it might be 20 seconds to 30 seconds or 40 seconds later before he'd take another breath. And so we knew that the the transition was going to happen soon. So after everyone left and it may have been 1230, I went into the room where he was. And I don't remember exactly what I said, but there were three sentences that I told him. I told him that I loved him. He took a deep breath, inhaled and exhaled. He I said something about it was going to be okay. And he took a deep breath. And then I said he could go on. You're like, we're going to be okay. You can leave. And he took another deep breath. Now, for me, it let me know that he heard me. I understand that in hospice, the last thing that goes is your hearing. Hmm. You can still hear even after the heartbeat stops. And so him taking those three deep breaths in a row where he wasn't breathing that way. And I, I left him. Because he was a man who had a lot of dignity. Mm -hmm. And I had done everything I could. To make him comfortable in that setting. And I came back maybe 30 minutes later. And he wasn't breathing. But he was still very very warm. So I knew that the transition either happened. While I was walking into the room. Or shortly after. Mm. Um, And so we had a real connection. um, And that he's someone who has visited me twice. In dreams. But um, it is. It helped me to be more comfortable also knowing that I'm going to go th- through the path of transitioning out of this life. Like being with people who have transitioned.
3: Oh, it makes it less scary. It is a lot less scary. Mm-hmm. So. I
1: mean, we so, all are going to have that happen. Yes.
3: Mm-hmm. And then, so if you decide, accept being a death doula, mm-hmm. how do you refine that? Like... Like, do
2: you I'm make that available to people? I'm working on like. it. So I've never charged anyone. I've only shown <laughs> up because they need me there. Yeah. I've played music with my relative that um, has also visited me, the other person who visits me in dreams. Mm-hmm. He told me a song that he wanted me to play. Oh. And he had not been vocal or moved or anything. And on the day that he had what they call the death rattle. It's this breathing and you can hear it in their chest. It's Mm -hmm. a rattling when they breathe. I brought my uh, music in and I played the song that he wanted. Mm -hmm. He began to groan out loud, very loud. And he had not made any sound Mm -hmm. for days. So I knew that that touched him. Mm -hmm. And he visited and he was very grateful that I did what he had asked me to do. Wow. In
3: his transition. Yeah, because imagine like you're on the brink of death, like your life is about to end, and you're like, you know, I hate that person. I don't want to see that person, and I want to hear my favorite song, but you can't talk. <laughs> you know? <laughs> And the person you hate is like standing there looking at you. Right. And you're looking at them like get out of here. I'm about to die and I don't want you to be the last person I see and I want to hear my favorite song. And so to have somebody who like can perce- receive your messages or knows what you want, like that's like invaluable. But then also I have a cousin who would see people like right as they died. Like she would see their spirit and she would know they were dead and then she would have to tell them to go to the light. And she became afraid of that. Uh, I I would say it was a gift, but it was disturbing her. And so she prayed for it to stop. Um, And I think it it did stop. But I think it's interesting that, like, in our relationship with spirit and death and, you know, people who have passed on, we all seem to have, like, a different connection or a different, you know, gift. And then there's no necessarily, like, there's not necessarily, like, a, a guidebook. Or yeah. anyone even to tell you, like, how, how do you do this? Or how do you deal with this? And then you have to decide, like, are you afraid of it? Do you agree with it? Is it something you're willing to do? Or are you going to run for the hills? You know, like, it's. I don't well, know. I ran. Just... I ran a lot initially.
2: Because <laughs> yes. it's not something that you're yes. like, yeah, I'm going to go in here and uh, I'm going to be the queen of death. I'm going to be helping people when they get ready to die. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Like, no.
1: Well, if you think about people who are morticians, and, you know, that tends to be a family business, and it gets passed down, and they develop a way of being with people, even if the way is can be a little... Um, shallow. Mm-hmm. It's just, we got another one to do. Okay, there's not that personal connection necessarily. Um, it's just our business as usual. Roll on. Let's go to the next one. You know, yeah. you say your little um, you know preludes that you say every time you you do a funeral. Are playing on yeah. the emotions
2: of the family and like, okay, so we need to sell this vault. Right. That's going to be an additional five thousand dollars on this funeral. Right. So we gonna tell them that it's not gonna get wet and that body's gonna be able to be in there and be dry. But what difference does that make? So yeah, it, it could be. Yeah, but and
3: then I'm I'm a I'm a medium. I'm a spiritual medium, and I talk to dead people. All the time and so now I have that same experience As the morticians where when Someone tells me their family member died Then my first thought Is oh wow they're gonna hook you up Because they're gonna be such a dope Ancestor oh my god It's your mom are you kidding me Do you know the things she's gonna do for you On the other side and then I have to Like contain that excitement <laughs> Because of course the Person is like heart you know right. Broken up inside and their perspective on it is no n- nothing like my perspective on it. And then I also wonder, like, when my own family passes away, will I be excited then? You know, will right. I be thinking, like, right. oh, wow, great ancestors, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's, it is strange, like, the more you get comfortable with death and the more mm-hmm. you sort of see it um, around you, that your perspective on it changes and then your reaction to it
2: changes. So I do believe we deal with what we... What we have experienced in this physical realm, and we're going to miss that physical uh, presence of that loved one, but you also know that there's going to then be a heightened spiritual presence because you, like you're saying, you get excited, like wow, do you know how they're going to hook you up and what they're going yeah, to be? Yeah, that's how for that's how now? I feel. So when it's your loved one, you allow yourself to go through whatever that feeling is whether it's pain or sorrow or whatever that you're gonna miss their physical presence. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that when you have a greater understanding of the transition and you've worked and have a connection with spirit, that you're able to give yourself some comfort
3: right mm-hmm. in knowing. Yeah. And maybe yeah.
2: with with when like if
3: people have seen it before, you know, like mm-hmm. Like when you have actually seen a spirit or you have spoken to one or you have somehow received some kind of indication that these after after death, there is another existence. And maybe when you have not experienced that or you don't know that to be true, then death, it does seem like a final the helped. Me. Having yeah. my
2: experiences helped me a lot.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like to approach things from a very practical perspective a lot of times. And I listen to what people say and watch what people do. And so a common refrain, I don't care what tradition, is is pretty, pretty, pretty universal that the person is in a better place. And if we really believe that a person is in a better place, then we should be happy for mm-hmm. them. We shouldn't be sad. So again, the sadness, well, we're, we're going to miss them. We're going to miss being able to touch them, connect with them, you know, do things with them. But we want the people that we love to be in the best place possible. So why shouldn't there be also a level of joy, happiness, and celebration that the person has been able to transition on to that better place if we truly believe that? Or is that just something that we say?
3: Right, but I remember also when my grandfather died, knowing that he was um, out of pain because he was very sick for, Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe 10 years Mm -hmm. on oxygen and, you know, et cetera. Um, So feeling relief that, okay, he's not sick anymore and he doesn't hurt anymore. But then also having like a horrified feeling of like the whole family dynamic has shifted. And because he was like, uh, he was... You know, even in him being sick, he was like a chief or something. Like he was like just a, a cornerstone uh, for for our um, family. And his the loss of him physically, even though he was bedridden, <laughs> it kind of like shifted our whole sense of reality and like what is the order of things now and like who has the last word or how do things get decided? Where where what is the voice of justice? You know, like. Um, who do we look to you know for example so sometimes I think it's not even necessarily like the sorrow of losing the person but also the structure of the family or the, the role that that person served for you is now um, no longer existing in that way and then feeling the loss of that
2: yeah my stepdad used to clean my salon for me every week I miss that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like I you definitely know. think that I'm just you know, mm-hmm. funny but yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel that because yeah. you do miss something. Yeah. You know, the, so the we can miss out. that and that's about us. Right. Mm-hmm. right, right. But then the, what you're saying is Anthony being, if they're in a better place, having joy for them. Right. Is that where the repast comes in?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, mm-hmm. people get together and they eat and sometimes there's music and, is is that a representation of our joy?
3: My friend from Ghana, she her daddy died. She had a party. You they had food. They all it. got dressed up. They danced all night. Love it. I love it when when they celebrate someone's life in that way, and the person's picture will be like huge at the front of the room, yes. so that they can see how everyone is dancing and celebrating their life. And I, I just think that that's a beautiful thing. I do too.
1: They also have a time of mourning, of yes. wailing, where they. Well, if there's not enough wailing in the family, they will hire out people to to cry and to mourn. Um, That's part of the process as well. And and there may be even several days of of that that goes on before you get to the celebratory party part of it.
3: Oh, I only saw the party.
2: Well, I will, you all can cry a little bit when I transition, if you're still here, but you better party, and it better be some dancing. I mean, a whole lot of dancing. I'm
3: be like Glenda, the lottery numbers, <laughs> the lottery numbers, Glenda. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. Okay, so,
1: well, we're gonna wrap this up. This has been a great conversation about the um, manifestation of spirit as it relates to the physical depth of our bodies and we'll continue to delve deeper into this and other topics related to spirit as we continue our session and seasons of tapping into spirit. Thank you so much for joining us and listening and being patient with our process and we hope to see you again on the other side.
0: It's time to stop your falling You've been down long enough Can't you hear the spirits calling? Yes, it's the spirits Can't you hear it? Calling your name, calling your name Yeah, talking about spirits